Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the first recording in 2019 of the Hearts Dedicated Podcast, with me, Laurie Dunsire, in my living room in Musselburgh, joined face-to-face by Mark Donaldson. <laughs> Not in Connecticut, in no. your living room in Musselburgh, how are you? I'm good, I really appreciate you taking the time to come over just... Just for this. Just for this. Flew in yesterday, flying back tomorrow. <laughs> But no, obviously you have other things you'll be doing in the in the area. So how how was your Hogmanay? I think you were Hogmanay was in the air, thirty thousand yeah. feet. <laughs> I had two New Years. I had the American New Year, which was we left at ten past six from Hartford. So it was probably somewhere over kind of Boston area, and then just before we arrived in Dublin was the the uh, the American New Year. Having had the UK one uh, earlier. I think some people have said you can you can actually have numerous New Year's if you're on a flight and it's timed over certain time zones that you can somehow... Yeah, well, if you fly East Coast to West Coast um, in the States, you've obviously got the four time zones as well. So you could you can do that. It was weird. It was just an excuse to drink more alcohol and then realise when you get to the other end, you've got to drive uh, with a nine-month-old in tow. The packing you have to do with a baby, goodness me, so... Oof. But glad to be here. So, funnily enough, it coincides with the winter break. So, not seen Hearts, saw Pennycook Athletic, went to the ice hockey, uh, just crammed a lot in. But while Hearts are away, I was going to say sunning themselves in Spain, but it doesn't look like the weather's as good as some of the other teams have, have got. But looking forward to the resumption of the, the campaign. And how was the Pennycook game? Good. Because because I went to the Edinburgh City match, which yes. wasn't actually. Terribly good game, to be honest. I was expecting more from the league leaders, but did Penny put on a good show for you? They did, and it was weird because when I went there, someone was like, Donkey! And it was Scott Crabb, because his son, (laughs) Dean, plays centre midfield. And he's like, do you know who the goalie is? And I said, no. He goes, that's Robbo's son, Liam. I was like, goodness me, I was expecting Alan McLaren's son and Gary Mackay's son. Um, But no, the two of them now play for Penny Cook. And the standard was decent. They're now a senior team having moved up from juniors, and they just lost their coach. John Harvey's gone to Berwick, but uh, decent standard, and hopefully within a, a few years they'll be challenging to get into the the four leagues of, of Scotland now the pyramid system's in place. Yeah, long overdue pyramid system, and although we are a Hearts-dedicated podcast, probably shouldn't say dedicated given we've just spoken about two other teams, um, Hearts-focused podcast, it is, always, it is always good in the winter break to... Give a little bit of focus to the lower league teams, and I've seen a few people going and seeing other sides in yeah. the local area, and it's it's quite enjoyable. I think it wasn't so enjoyable this time with Edinburgh City, as it was a pretty poor game, and it was about minus twenty, or it felt <laughs> it felt like that. But um, but anyway, we, we will do do some hearts related um, topics, of course. Today it is January, and as you say, with the winter break, it's a little bit quiet. So we'll, we'll keep it even lighter than normal and even more off the cuff than normal um, and we'll speak about a couple of things that have come up of course signings are going to be uh, a big uh, a big thing to, to go over and potential departures players coming in already so I suppose first off Mark uh, some of the news that's coming out in the last couple of days is that Craig Levine is suggesting that Arnold Joom is likely to leave Hearts that Hearts cannot afford the Cameroon International now and he's, he's split opinion in the last season or two. Um, we've spoken about it a couple of times generally when it's come up. It was a very popular player initially. 
his popularity dipped significantly when there was talk of him looking to manoeuvre hmm. a transfer elsewhere. He then had an injury. Um, he's come back in many ways, I think, stronger. I think he's quite a big player for Hearts. And if it does transpire that Hearts can't afford to keep him, is it a big loss? I'm not sure if it's can't afford to keep him. I think they could afford to keep him, but I think they think they can maybe get a couple of players for what they could spend on, on Arnold Jim because he won't be cheap. And this is, as Craig Levine quite rightly said, his probably his last chance to get a bumper deal. I think he's not been helped by playing some games slightly out of position. He's played on the left-hand side, which hasn't been ideal. Good player. It's, it's, it's been a decent relationship. It's got him back into the Cameroon squad. It's, it's got him a starting spot when when they won the, the African Championship. So it's been beneficial. Have Hearts fans seen the best of him? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, and I don't think spending what he's after. And he's perfectly entitled to ask. Because he did say in November he wants to sign a new contract. So And he does. But it's got to be within reason for, for both parties. Just because he wants to sign a new contract doesn't mean Hearts can afford him. And I think what Hearts will do is they'll say thanks for coming. Then maybe try and get rid of him in the January transfer window mm-hmm. um, to, to someone. And if they do, then, I don't know, like a Charlie Adam or, or, or someone could, could maybe come in. So I think this is a watch this space for the next two weeks or three weeks with Arnold Jim. And he's 29 yeah. at this point. Yeah. So from a position where, I suppose, he's not a centre-back or a goalkeeper, a position where maybe age doesn't factor in as much, he's probably seen as he's at his peak and this is his time to, to maybe get a big contract because he's had a career which is not... I suppose set the heather alight so far. He was, you know, there wasn't much in the way of expectations when he signed. It was outside the transfer window, you know, a free transfer. Um, had some time in the in the Dutch league. Had some time in Poland. Um, I would guess that you would have to see it as a successful transfer yeah. overall if he does leave. Whether it's January for a couple hundred thousand pounds or whether it's end of the season for for nothing. Given that he came with really no expectations and. I don't have any information on it, but I can't imagine he's on a huge wage given that he was signed from outside the transfer window like that. It probably has to be seen now with over 100 appearances. He's, he's helped Hearts to third place in the top flight in the first season up and he's been a very effective performer when he's been fit. I think you'd have to see that as a successful period of time for a midfielder. I think so. I think it's been a, a win-win for both. Could he have achieved more? Maybe. But he is what he is. He's, he's a decent player. But... That's fine. If he moves on, we wish him well, but I'm not sure he'll be overly missed if he's replaced adequately. Another player who is leaving um, and has already left is a man who's gone back to his parent club, Jimmy Dunn, who, again, you could say was signed with maybe very little in the way of expectations. He was a youngster, so you don't know what you're going to get. can be very raw. Uh, Obviously signed from an English Premier League club, but obviously not part of their senior team. Um, but he really stepped into the fold when Christoph Berra left and I think exceeded, I don't think even Craig Levine could have expected just how composed and how consistent he would have yeah. been. Very quickly turned into our best defender uh, and then obviously when Suter went out as well, he suddenly became the rock in that in that defence, even though someone who's only just turned 21. Uh, he, he will be missed, I think, especially for the second half of the season when we've still got Suter out. Um, I think that is a bit of a blow that we've obviously not held on to him. There's reasons, um, for whatever reason that he's gone back. Uh, I've heard that there's other English clubs that are keen to mm-hmm. to sign him. I think this is a win-win for both parties because he, he came up and what he did as well, he was so good in the air. Normally you'd set out your defence and you go, right, you have Berra 
Um, you take X, you take Y. But he was the one that was a big threat. And I know he, he scored one. He scored, he scored twice. He scored, he scored against twice. Rangers at Ibrox and he got the goal against that, St. John's that's right. as well. And he was always a threat when the Hearts set pieces if it was Lee or whoever was putting it in. Good player. And one of these guys that bought into it. We've spoken before about buying into a club that you go to, whether it's Hearts or whatever. I think he bought into it knowing that if he did well, Sean Dyche should be keeping tabs because Craig Levine would obviously tell Sean Dyche when he went back, how did he do? Well, here's what he did. Um, and he's someone who, I mean, with, with the Burnley defenders kind of set in stone right now, he, he might have to bide his time, but you never know. One injury, and that's the reason Hearts got him as well, with, with Christoph mm-hmm. Berra being, yeah. being hurt. And I think the guy that Hearts have got in, Shognessy, is someone who will be similar to Jimmy Dunn. He might get a start to begin with if Suter doesn't come back in time after the winter break. However, um, it might be a case where Craig might want to go three at the back, which I think he might, or if he goes four at the back, then Shaughnessy might not be someone long-term between now and the end of the season that gets too much. I, I don't think we'll see as much of Shaughnessy as we saw from Jimmy Dunn, who will be missed. Yeah, and that, that moves us on perfectly into, I guess, players in. One of those is uh, Shaughnessy, as he said, uh, someone who hasn't played much senior football at all. He's got a handful of appearances for Leeds United, where we've signed him on loan from. Uh, he's been capped at Republic of Ireland uh, youth level up to 21, so he's got caps at the under-21 level. Um, and he's a player who's, from what, from what I've heard and what I could see, he's a big guy, six foot three as well, so you know, sort of similar height as Jamie Dunn, can play in midfield. I guess that is just a kind of one in, one out, like yeah. for like. We need we need strength and depth there with with John Suter still out. Um, do you see then our defense? Our defense, first off, is Levine still looking to keep that as a back three as much as he can? This was with signing extra centre backs because we do have. On paper, I suppose we do have now Michael Smith who can play there, Christoph yeah. Berra back fit. We've got Clevy, Dicamona, John Suter to come back within the next month or so, and obviously uh, Connor Shaughnessy as well. Smith is the interesting one here because he's played out of position as a sweeper and excelled. So it depends what he wants to do in the right back position, slash right wing back, slash right midfield. I mean, I've, I've, we'll discuss this later. We've, I've noted down two or three different lineups. Potential with three at the back, with four at the back, four three three, three four one two, and you've got Suter and Berra when they're both fit. Now, are you going Shaughnessy or are you going Dicamona or are you going Smith as your third one? I think the way that he wants to play, and, and bearing in mind, you're going to have Uche and Vanacek. If they play together, you're going to need service. So, one of the lineups that I've kind of written down, and it's similar to the lineup I had. Um, a few weeks ago when we were talking about this. I don't know if you could do a 3-5-2 at Tynecastle with the lack of width in the pitch. So I've kind of got a 3-4-1-2. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing Morrison in there as a right midfielder, my, my issue is you'll get the ball in, but defensively, do you have enough with your three centre-backs defensively in your cover from, from Haring? As far as the centre-backs are concerned, you're going to have four pretty decent centre-backs in Smith... Berra, Shaughnessy, Dicamona, and Smith. Uh, sorry, Suter, Berra, Dicamona, and Smith. Does that mean that Smith goes back to right wing back, full back? Because if you're putting him as a centre back, you're going to have two centre backs sitting out. It's tough because I know what you're saying. And at Tynecastle, you can almost you you can get away with I suppose a back three and then having Morrison on the right, a potentially an attacking player because. 
it's a lot easier for the centre backs to to cover that gap. I think there's not there's not as much yeah. space out wide, whereas you see in other grounds, and I think it was it was obvious at the likes of Easter Road in the Derby, where although I thought we defended and we played really well overall, the the times there were spaces were, were in the wide areas. You know, the likes of Godinho going forward and the right, especially or Garuccio, um, because then there is space in behind, whereas you don't get that at Tynecastle. So it might be that we have to adjust how we do it whether we went for at Tynecastle because if we're at you know, Celtic Park, for instance, you don't necessarily want to be going with Morrison as your, oh, no, your defensive. No, and, and, right and we've side. seen how many games he's played in the bigger games this season. He's not featured much at all from the start. 4-4-2 is something which is a formation that could be used at Tynecastle. The question here is who plays left midfield? Because we don't have a natural left midfielder. If Mitchell showed the form of last season, and we banged on about this for the first few weeks until it kind of dawned on us, wait a minute, this isn't the same guy that we had last mm, season. Yeah. So who's playing left midfield for us? Because you'd then have Smith at right back, you'd have a combo of Suter and Berra or Dicamona, whoever's fit as your two centre-backs, and Garuccio at left. If you're playing 4-4-2, you need supply, because I would imagine the two would be Uche and Vanacek, and you've probably got Haring and Naismith in the middle there. So you've got Morrison on the right providing... The crosses. So, who have you got on the left providing the crosses? I mean, early in the season, when Craig Levine did play four four two, he was quite keen on Naismith on the left, but not playing as an actual left midfielder. He would drop out to the left. He would cut inside. He would often, you know, drift into the centre. I, I guess you're just relying then on having a left back who is not just a good player, but a player who can get up and down, cover the ground, but is smart enough to know when he can commit and leave a bit of space in behind him when he needs to step back and maybe focus on defending. I think Garuccio, I've been impressed him when he's played both defending and going forward. So I guess that could be an option. We've done it a few times with Jume as well in that position on the left where he's down his left midfield, but he doesn't actually play as an out-and-out left midfielder. I think we had a conversation a few weeks ago, did we not, about one of the full-backs playing in two positions. Mm-hmm. Like Patterson used to on the right. Yeah, like Patterson yeah. used to. So what that gives you, it makes you, your left midfield can tuck in or your right midfielder can, can mm-hmm. tuck in. And I think that's a possibility. You could have Garuccio, because I believe he, he likes to get forward. And he can defend. I mean, he's going to have to have an engine on him. It might be one of these, you play him for 65 minutes and then you swap him for Mitchell or, or whatever. But you could do that. And if you do that, you then have him providing this the ammunition from the left-hand side and you then boost your midfield. So it's it's a formation that, that doesn't really exist on paper because what is it? Because you've got one guy playing two roles but you do then have a Naismith or someone else in there because we're putting Naismith in it. The big question I've got for now and the end of the season and it'd be interesting to, think what, to see what Craig Levine thinks if he's already decided. He knew about Vanacek coming in and obviously he's got Uchi. The two of them together, I wonder how that's going to work. Because Vanacek is a centre-forward. Uche is a centre-forward. You can play them together in a 4-4-2, but they don't really play... If you're playing a 1, it's one or the other. So it might it might be the, the case for away games that you don't play the two of them. But if you're playing the two of them in a 4-4-2, you need width and you need supply. And Hearts have been pretty good this season at supplying. And that moves us on, as we've spoken about Shognessy, that moves us on to David Vanacek, who is possibly, it's maybe maybe second to only Juwan Oshaniwa as the most oh built, God, up, shuddered. built up and anticipated 
signing from from a player that if you told me before Hearts had registered any interest, if you'd said David Vanacek, I would have. Are we going David or David? I would, David's more a kind of Czech, but I'm trying to think of any Czech players called David before. Mm. I, oh, I don't know. I kind of naturally almost go. Yeah, we do because he's, he's, he's not from Trinidad because he's, he's not Scottish. I genuinely don't know. I'll, okay. I'll have to. I'll message some of the guys and find out. We'll just Vanacek anyway. Yes, and he. He has he has built and a lot of it's building himself up. Obviously, he's been very active on social media. He's been mm-hmm. endearing himself to the Hearts fans. Um, but it's going to come down to one thing in the end, and that's how he performs. Does he score goals? Uh, we thought he got seven and sixteen. We think this season. If you look through his career, it looks like he's a typical striker who we've often signed. He's at no, no point looked unbelievably prolific. No, he's a um, Craig Levine signing because he's a signing who Craig will feel he can improve. Yeah. And and then I mean you can compare him to to you know Mark De Vries who was Mark De Vries before Hart signed him no one would have known who I, I I certainly hadn't heard of him until Hart's acquired him and he didn't have a career that blew you away when you looked at the statistics but Craig Levine signed him he saw something in him he, he saw someone who would suit the Scottish game and I, I think he said that before that one thing Vanacek has is he's strong he likes to hold the ball up he's good in the air and he likes the physical aspect of of a football game which does suit someone who's going to play in Scotland. What I think about these two playing together, I think it's going to benefit Stephen Naismith Mm -hmm. because those two will occupy the two centre-backs. Now, if we're playing a 4-4-2 or a 4-tight... 4-2-3. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is, with with those two up front. If you've got your two centre-backs occupied and you've got their two full-backs occupied by our wide players as well, they're going to have to put someone on Naismith because he could run a mock... Now, we spoke last week, and I was listening back to the podcast, about the second ball at Easter Road. I think you'll see a fair bit of that. But I think, whereas at Easter Road, we were playing it up to a guy who wasn't going to win most of them, he was going to win some, I think Uche and Vanacek are going to win the majority of the balls. And then they're going to be more accurate in knocking it down. So the second ball is going to be Naismith buzzing around. So I think Craig will maybe try and produce a formation that will... Give Naismith more of a free role. And I think that will benefit him having these two. Because if you've got the other two centre-backs occupied by our two front men, that that then gets into the, how, how are we going to stop Naismith? So I'm intrigued as to how this is going to work. And if you've got two similar players, it's a bit like, now help me out here, Motherwell with Curtis Main. Is that right? Curtis Main, yeah, number nine from Motherwell this season. And they've got another guy who's very similar to him. And it's Connor Salmon. That's who it is. They played together a couple of times. And at first it didn't work out because they were running into each other's spaces. And, and they obviously hadn't played much before. But they were an absolute nightmare for defenders. Now, with Vanacek already over in Spain and with Uche still back here. But I think they'll work on that once Uche's back to fitness and back on the training ground. Um, I think you'll see Vanacek with Naismith off him to begin with because Uchi's mm-hmm. not ready yet and I don't know when he'll be ready if it's end of Feb or maybe before that uh, unless he takes some Decamona tablets in which he'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll be ready within a few days but once everyone's fit I think Naismith will be the main beneficiary of Uchi and Vanacek and I suppose the the big difference is with and the second ball was obviously a huge part of what Craig Levine focused on at Easter Road I guess the difference then is the second ball was, you know, the Hibs defence clear and it drops into that area, maybe just inside the Hibs half and Hearts can yeah. then start an attack. 
if we're then focusing on the second ball when you've got Vanacek and Uchi up there, the second ball is potentially at the edge of the box, Correct. in behind the defence. So suddenly you're not just having to create an attack from 40, 50 yards from goal, your Naismith is running in off the shoulder. So suddenly it can be a potential ball forward, flick on, knock down, and you've got a chance on goal. So the, the turnover of play could be much different because as much as, again, Hart's performance he throw was good, the chances were not free-flowing. It, it was very much a case of we're basing it on, we'll get the second ball, and we will get some chances in and around yeah. the 30 yards from goal. And that's obviously where the goal came from in the end, was that area. I think what you have now is options. We didn't have options when Naismith was hurt. Stephen McLean had to play more than he, he should have done. And it was just it was a slog yeah. every week. Now there are options. Uchi and Vanacek, one or the other, horses for courses... That's what we haven't had for a while now. So looking forward to the second half of the season when everyone's fit. And if one doesn't work, then there's other options and, uh, and alternatives available. Okay, one potential signing that you briefly mentioned. Uh, we'll have a quick chat. I don't know if you've got any in mind, but brief chat about potential signings, obviously, that have not occurred. And this could be based on rumours. It could be based on some kind of solid evidence. And it could just be, you know... A wild punt, a wild punt that you think would work for Hart. So, Charlie Adam has been suggested, and I, I genuinely don't have any inside information. I don't know if this is just the press putting him out there, or Charlie Adam putting him out there. Charlie Adam putting himself out there. Uh, it's gained mixed reactions. I've, I've, I've read some, um, you know, social media reactions on, online. You've got, you've got very different ones. You've got a lot of Hearts fans saying, "Oh, great, that'd be a terrific signing, that caliber of player," and some very much against it. I mean, he is he's 33 years old now so he's certainly on the the wrong side of of his of his career I would suggest. Well, Stephen McLean's 35 36 so yeah. Apparently he's training every day and yeah. and keeping himself fit. This isn't the Charlie Adam you'd be getting that went to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. This is the Charlie Adam who's 33 years old and he's 34 in December mm-hmm. I think it is. But Charlie Adam is worth the admission money alone for his set pieces. And yeah, I mean Nine out of the last ten seasons he's spent in the English top flight. Given, you know, granted um, his appearances were not as frequent as they once were, but he still made 14 appearances last season for a Premier League team in England. He's only made five appearances this season for now Championship Stoke. However, not dissimilar to Stephen Naismith's situation when we signed him. He'd spent a few years in the top flight. He was now at a Championship side and he wasn't getting a game. And obviously we know how well that's worked out. Charlie Adams only a year older than Stephen Naismith. And Charlie Adams' game has never been, without sounding too offensive to him, it's never been based on his, his stamina and his energy so much. It's been based mainly on his terrific passing and shooting ability, his vision and his technical ability with the ball at his feet, I suppose. And that was obvious at times in England. You know, he scored some unbelievable goals in England you know, against the likes of Chelsea, etc., if he was to take what is a step down to the Scottish top flight, would that ability then, I suppose, shine through even more? Because it shines through with Stephen Naismith. He yeah. just looks head and shoulders above mm-hmm. the players around him at times, and both his teammates and the opposition. That could be a similar story with Charlie Adam. You know, he's not gonna, we're not going to expect him to run up and down the park all day, but that was never really his, no. the, the highlights of his game. You play to his strength. I'd take him in a heartbeat. I would, because... If our game between now and the end of the season and going forward is going to be based on getting it forward but delivery, there's no one better at delivering a football than Charlie Adam. And 
Hibs have got someone like him as far as delivery is concerned and Stevie Mallon, but that's pretty much all. And I was shocked to see that's pretty much all he does. Mm-hmm. Hearts don't give him a chance to shoot from outside the D, then you've nullified the threat. There's more with Charlie Adam. Now, would I have him in the in the heartbeat of the, the team as far as the engine room is concerned? Probably not. I'd have him in a more advanced role. Does that mean... How do we fit in two strikers, two wingers, potentially, and Stephen Naismith and Charlie Adam? That becomes harder. So again, it might be a horses for courses. But if you think that between now and the end of the season, Hearts, I would imagine Hearts goals, they'll probably be about 20 to 25% and them will come from set pieces. Why not get the best set piece taker out there or one of the best that is available if he's going to come north? So I'd take him in a heartbeat. Everyone's different. I mean, everyone will find a reason why they don't want him or he's some, done something in the past. Come on. If he's available and he wants to play for Hearts or he wants to play back in the Premiership, I'd, I'd take him. In terms of signings that you would like to see or you think are potential options for Hearts this January... Do you have any? Are there any positions you think we really need to still strengthen? I mean, we could talk goalkeepers because I know that there's still the... The jury is still out on both players in that position. I don't know what you feel, but I would guess that Craig Levine would not be going for another goalkeeper. No, uh, I think... Not in January anyway. Not in January. I think in the summer, depending on what happens between now and the end of the season, I think you need to add... Unless one of them has a a crazy last six months and and does really well, um, you'd mentioned before we came on air about the kid Liam Kelly at Livingston, who every time I've seen him has has done really well, and they've they've been one of the success stories this season. He's twenty two. Um, I don't know if there's a clause in his contract that would allow him to go back to Rangers if they've got uh, first dibs on him. Not sure about that. If you look at Rangers. I mean, Al McGregor's going nowhere. Would you take Wes Fodderingham if he was given the opportunity of first-team football? Or is he happy just to, to, to sit on the bench? Scott Bain? Again, how much longer is Craig Gordon going to have at Celtic? You'd imagine he's got a good few years. But is, is being on the bench and playing in the League Cup and maybe in the Scottish Cup going to be enough for Scott Bain? And do we know much about his allegiances? Because... I can't remember if he's ever confirmed, but I know that he's from Edinburgh and he did share a flat with a heart supporter. He'd said that before, but I'd never read him committing on his football allegiances. So I don't know if you've ever heard, if you've known anyone who's who's been closer to him or known someone who, who knows a bit more about no, him. No, but was John Robertson not a Hibs fan growing up? No, but I just like to fuel the rumours no, the I fact know, he wants no, to go to his, his boyhood heroes. Stephen Wicker's a Hearts fan, but he's never played for... Probably isn't now. ...for Hearts. No, it's, it's the whole thing. I mean, what, we're going to sign Stephen Hendry and Hibb's going to sign Andy Murray. <laughs> I mean, is it, is it like that? I, I, I think Scott Bain's a good goalkeeper, a very good goalkeeper. I think he's better than what we've got. I think whoever we get, better than what we've got. But I think he also signed a long-term deal with Celtic with that crazy Dundee, Hibs, Celtic triumvirate. <laughs> so that's probably out. And Wes Fotheringham's just off the top of my head. Uh, again, I don't think we're signing a goalkeeper. There's no point in signing a goalkeeper. We've got to... I mean, is, the, correct me if I'm wrong, is there a guy called Kelby Mason? He's still, he's still, still at Hearts. Yeah, he is still at Hearts. A, any good? Has he got a chance? I mean, is there someone coming through that Hearts have decided, okay, maybe in the next couple of years... 
That, that's I've, a, I've generally no idea. No. I've never seen him. And that, that's another option as well. It's a wait and see. So I, I don't know. We've we've got the striking situation. Sorry, I think left midfield would be my only um, kind of area of of where I would target. Can't get Jamie Walker. He's already played for for two clubs. Can't play for a third uh, in a season. So that's that's a done. Um, that ain't going to happen. I don't know. I mean, is there a left midfielder out there that springs to mind? You've got a smile on your face. What is it? Well, there's one, but it's not going to be... I would imagine it would more be an adventurous pre-contract. Um, would be Gary McKay-Steven. But that's... And I say that's an adventurous pre-contract because he currently plays for a team who have been more successful than us in the division we're in at the moment. And he's out of contract at the end of the season? Um, I believe he is. Um, well, again, I mean, on his day, wonderful player. If we're, but we're looking for, we're maybe looking for loan signings to take us through the summer and then, yeah. then see, because you if you if you want a balance, you could have an imbalance. You could have that formation we were talking about, where the left fullback gets forward a lot more than the right fullback because there's someone in front of him on the other side. I just think for a balance, if you're going to straight four four two and you want service, a left winger. I mean, there's another one for any of the listeners that maybe go and see the Hearts youngsters. Is there someone coming through that you've identified as... I mean, Connor Smith is a central midfielder. He's the 16-year-old, I think, who's been tipped for the, for the top. That's in years to come. Is there is there someone out there in the, in the youth team that Hearts could maybe look to in the next 18 months to be the successor in, in left midfield? Possibly. And if anyone who's listening has any suggestions and ideas for signings and feel free to to let us know Gary McKay, Stephen and Graham Shinney are both out of contract at the end of the season for Aberdeen um, well, I'm, I'm not I'm not talking out of turn because I'm not going to tell you who told me this but uh, Wigan have inquired about Graham Shinney I wouldn't have thought we would have gone or been able to grab Graham Shinney to be fair but but Gary McKay, Stephen is one that you know he kind of if you told me if you suggested heart signing Gary McKay, Stephen maybe 18 months two years ago I maybe would have said oh, maybe, but he's kind of went off the boil a bit. It didn't really work out at Celtic. I didn't think he set the heather alight when he was first at Aberdeen, or certainly not maybe two seasons ago or so. But certainly the last year, he seems to have really recaptured his his Dundee United form, which is obviously what put him in the shop window initially. But just just an idea, and I, I don't know. There could be players. There could be a big offer on the table from Aberdeen that we wouldn't even be able to match. So it's it's all hypothetical. But just, if we were looking, you know, because Aberdeen's a team that we want to challenge. Yeah, and I'm, I firmly believe, from what I've been told, that the top earner at Hearts is on more than the top earner at Aberdeen. And I'd like to think Hearts, if it came to a bidding war between them and Aberdeen, would be able to outbid Aberdeen. So if I'm his agent, which I'm sure he'll be doing, he'll be hawking his player around. There's going to be takers. Would I take him? Yeah, I would. But, I, I see him more as a kind of left-footed central slash wider midfielder. I don't see him as an out-and-out winger. You've seen him more than me. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. He often plays a bit more centrally in a kind of the, the three that McInnes likes to play behind a striker. Yeah. So you know, the attacking three that could be on the right, could be on the left, could be central cutting in. I, I do like him when he plays on the left. He does often drop out wide and he's got a good bit of pace around about him. Good feet, good skill. Seems to be able to cross the ball, but... I think in the, I think in the short term, Gary McKay, Stephen, or whoever, if it's a pre-contract, that's that would be for the summer. Yeah. Um, we are forgetting Dimitri Mitchell. Now, if we can get him back to 
the player we thought we had last season. Let's forget about left back. That's Garuchos now. Going forward, let's let's not keep chopping and changing because we can. We couldn't at centre-back. It had to be... Well, he had to come in because he got hurt. At left-back, we've chopped and changed. We've said since day one on this podcast that we wanted to see Garucho at left-back and Mitchell in front. We've got one of those two and Mitchell doesn't deserve to be in front of him right now because he's not playing well enough. If we can get the form... and Maybe that's down to the fact he's not had consistency of selection. Mm-hmm. We've got games coming up against Livingston, Dundee and St. Johnston. I think all at home. So... That's an opportunity now for someone to, to play in all the games. Let's have a, a, a more settled formation. Because all I'm after, and he's, he can deliver a ball pretty well, Mitchell. And that's the thing. And this time, he is a left winger. He was a left winger growing up. They tried to convert him to a left back, which I, I don't think it, it, it's worked. It might work when he's playing for a better team, when he doesn't have to do as much defending. But I think he got caught out too much when he had to defend. But I don't mind him. I'm not just... It's like the old fantasy football. We spoke about that. You get rid of someone that's maybe not done well for you for a couple of weeks and then he goes and scores a hat-trick after you've got rid of him. I think you give him so another... It's, so yeah, it's law. Of I course think it is. is. <laughs> I think with Mitchell, you give him maybe a final chance. But you say, look, two or three games you've got will keep you in that position. If you play well, we'll keep your position there and see how it works because that would give us a nice balance. Looking ahead to the second half of the season, we, we did it. We did it briefly before. You looked ahead to your team, um, the, the team that you would play. In terms of the second half of the season, always we, we spoke about dreams last season for uh, last <laughs> last season last last time out. Uh, Chris Canning said um, the latest episode was an enjoyable one. It was good to hear uh, Mark Donaldson in a better mood. <laughs> Uh, for 2019, his dream uh, was he'd want to see uh, see us continue the fine form of the early season and push Celtic all the way, really believe at least second is there for the taking. So in terms of the second half of the season, we'll speak about the team um, briefly, but before we get to that, what should our target be for the second half of the season? Because it's been a really funny campaign because we started off with all this wild optimism that you know we're going to run away with the league and hmm. and you know we bought into it as well why not you know you're riding high at the top you're not going to you're not going to aim to to finish three or four places below that and then came the the crash and suddenly it was well we lucky to finish top six hmm. and and we couldn't seem to buy a goal let alone a win and then we've had a couple of results and that last result is crucial just one win just three points but to beat Hebs and to beat them at Easter Road changes the whole not just complexion of the season, but just the, the feeling around um, Tynecastle, around the supporters. And you probably, I imagine we'll see it in the players as well. Suddenly they'll get, and you saw when they scored, they just get a little bit of confidence. Yeah. You had a bit more faith in them to see that game out at that point. But where should we be aiming? Because we spoke about it off air a few weeks back and, you know, budget-wise, from what the latest figures we've seen from teams, Hearts are maybe where people would expect. They're the fourth biggest budget as things stand. Aberdeen, um, then Rangers, then Celtic ahead of them. So, so I guess the the natural order to steal a, a Craig Levine phrase would be to to aim for that fourth spot. Is second a realistic aim, though? Of course, it has to be. I don't think we'll finish second, and I would take fourth right now. I would take a European spot 
right now. You've got to remember as well, St. Johnston have got a game in hand, mm-hmm. albeit it's against Celtic. It's very so. congested still. It's a crazy... It's, it's crazy super. Game. It's super. But if you're talking budgets, then I would say, wait a minute here, Rangers' budget's nowhere near Celtic's budgets and they're on the same points. It's all about what ifs. And there's no point in looking at that because Rangers have dropped eight points with late goals against them. Points they shouldn't have dropped and they have and they've played games that they should have won but they didn't against Hibs at Easter Road and various other ones. Celtic have dropped stupid points. Seven of their 20 games this season, they've failed to win. Hearts picked up 11 from 33. Prior to that, it was five points from 27 that Hearts had picked up. So you can't... I've never met anybody that can change the past. So let's look forward. And I think the minimum Hearts should be looking for is fourth. And anything better than that is a bonus. Because... Kelly are a good side. And I know we've got Kelly coming up, which won't be easy. And we won down there. They, they won in Edinburgh. So that's probably what you would have expected. Three points apiece, maybe four for Hearts. But we got three. So I think fourth, I would take right now, would you? Oh, definitely. And I, I think the, the challenge in there is, when we talk about that, that natural order, is that Celtic win the title. It's that Rangers can push them but don't quite get there. And it's that Aberdeen can get that top three place that they've been they've been so good at efficiently getting in the top three and the top two most of the time recently. Kilmarnock, I suppose, are the anomaly at the moment in terms of when you look at the table that they are such a good side. And on paper, and this is no disrespect meant to the Kilmarnock players, but on paper, Kilmarnock shouldn't be as good as they are really. And I think a lot of that is down to Steve Clark. However, you know, one of their best players has signed a pre-contract with Rangers is now, I guess, putting himself in a position where it's going to be difficult for him. I don't know if you've heard some of the... One of the Kilmarnock board has spoken out about Jordan Jones and his... Well, the hashtag didn't help him, did he? Uh, the hashtag didn't help him. The I think Sheesh. singing songs with his pals on Snapchat about Rangers as well. So that could cause a bit of, I suppose, discord at Rugby Park. You know, one of the better players leaving... You'd hope Hearts, I suppose, with five points, only five points behind them, which it's I say only five, given how bad our run was and how good Kilmarnock have been this season, I think to only be five behind them is actually not a bad position. You've got to be targeting them as a team that we can overtake, because no, no matter how good Steve Clark is as a manager... Hearts have got a better squad on than On paper, Kilmarnock. exactly. Yes. We have a much better squad, got much more strength and depth, and I think individually, you know, we've got Stephen Naismith in there. They don't have a Stephen Naismith at Kilmarnock. We've got players like that. We've got Christoph Bear at the back. Come on, I don't have a Christoph Bear at the back. I think we on paper have a much better team than him. So really, we should be targeting finishing above them. Three tiers for you. The obtainable, the hopeful, and the swing for the fences and trying to hit a grand <laughs> slam. Um, obtainable and, and basic achievement should be fourth. Obtainable should be third. And then swing for the fences should be second. Those are the three tiers. We'd take fourth. I'd like to think we've got a chance of third. Second's going to be tough, but it's but it's doable. You need to go on a run that Hearts went on earlier this season. None of those are where we are right now. We'll have to improve on where we are. But as I've said over the last few weeks, it's been all about, for me, the second half of the season. And I think if we don't finish higher than fifth where we are right now, come the end of the season, I think it'll have been a disappointing second half of the season. Okay, well, that's a good one to put out there. So in terms of... We, we've spoken previously about your team for the second half of the season, so we've had feedback before, and we'll, we'll have a quick discussion on, on how the team might look just now. But the, the main question I'd want to put out there for listeners that we can talk about next week, because again, we won't have a game to review next week, would be what are your 
aspirations for the second half of the season in terms of what do you think Hearts can achieve, what do you think they will achieve, and what do you think is the minimum requirement? You know, where's the point where Hearts have, I suppose, failed this season, and we have to have, kind of have a, a look at, you know, I guess everything, you know, playing staff, you know, management, etc. Um, so, so what are your your thoughts? How how can we? What do we, what do we want from the second half of the season? What can we achieve? What are the, the targets for Hearts and what are the minimum requirements? So we've, we've said it before. If you can give us the feedback on that, it'd be great. And we can talk about it in more depth next time. That's a tweet to at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. So give us your thoughts on that. I think finally, Mark, one thing would be good to speak about, as we mentioned, is the team again. So some slight changes in personnel in terms of Jimmy Dunn's off, um, Shaughnessy is in, I kind of like for like. What's your team going to be? Has it changed much? Because I think before you were going with a 3-4-1-2, is that right? And you were going with, I think you might have been going with Bobby still at that point when we spoke. Yeah, I've gone Doyle now. Doyle and goals he, now, okay. He's done nothing wrong in the chances that he's given, so he, he deserves to continue until he screws up. And def- defence is interesting, though, because at that point, Smith was your... Smith or Morrison was what you were going to interchange as right wing-back stroke right midfield, however you want to look at that position. But now, Smith has suddenly come forward as possibly... A good sweeper in between two natural centre-backs. Yeah, so. but you've got Di Camona and you've got Shaughnessy as well. Now, I don't know is the answer because... When Suter comes back, it'll be a bit more of a challenge. Yeah, I mean... Suter can take the ball out. And yeah, play the, the, this is a team when everybody's fit. Because right now, Uche is not going to be back for the Livingston game. Probably not Suter. He might be, I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe contradicting myself in that I went three at the back, and I think that would probably be Hart's strongest um, lineup because I think with Haring and the three at the back, it gives you a hell of a lot of height. And Naismith then becomes the fifth player for the opposition to pick up. And Naismith's very good in the air. And I'm not sure their fifth best will be as good as our fifth best mm-hmm. if they're teaming up for, for set pieces. Again, that comes down to delivery. So I might, I might be going four for Tynecastle. Because okay. that then allows me more balance. I'm a firm believer of you put your best player in your best position. Um, so the best position or the best player for the best position at right back is Michael Smith. And that then gives you Suter and Berra and Garucho as your back four. Mm-hmm. It then gives you Morrison on the right, for me, at home against the next three opposition or opponents. Um, you then have Morrison, Naismith, Haring. And Mitchell, but again, this is when everyone's fit, and it's we're not going to get this for the Livingston game. And then you've got Uchi and Vanacek. I'm not sure. So right now you're going to have Vanacek up front, I would imagine. Yeah. With Naismith in and around him, either as a two or sure. a one up, yeah. one off for the Livy game. I think Morrison will play. Your your three at the back is is Suter, Berra, Dikamona, Suter, Berra, um, Shognesi. But for the Livingston game, there's a difference between our strongest 11 and what I would pick and the, the, the team I would pick for, for Livingston. We don't know how the boys are going to train. You might see things that he, Mitchell might be lights out in training. So he might come back. It's, it's difficult right now. I'm still torn and I don't know is the answer. I want to see them against Livingston 
before I kind of think, well, that, that might work. I think four at home is going to be easier because you're going to be more balanced uh, with with Morrison on the right. And I'm asking a lot, and maybe he's had a couple of under-the-radar performances. Craig obviously doesn't think yet he's ready for games to start against the big boys. I think this is an opportunity now for Callum Morrison. If he doesn't take it, then he's only got himself to blame. One thing I'd pick out with that that I, I maybe wouldn't agree with is is Naismith in a natural sentiment field role, especially with just two of them. I I, I don't... A four gives you a diamond opportunity. Okay, okay. Haring sits, Naismith pushes forward. But then you're looking at your two wide players to be a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. And if they're a bit tighter, would Morrison be that player if you've got your two fullbacks coming forward? I don't know. Canucci and Vanacek play together? We don't know. I mean, on paper, you'd put them in because they're probably the two best at that position, but they're very similar. What's Naismith's best position? I would say behind the striker with a bit of freedom in that you could call it a number 10 or you could call it a second striker, but that role where he's not necessarily the... He's not number nine. Um, he's not too far. He can drop out wide if he wants. He can play off the shoulder. He can drop ahead. I like him in that position, so in between the midfield and the striker. So you could play him... As you mentioned, I liked him in the your formation that we spoke about before, which was the three four one two, which you then had it was Haring and, and one other, whether it was Haring and Jume or Haring and Lee in the, the two central midfield roles, and you had Naismith as the one behind the two strikers. I, I like that idea. I think he's good off the shoulder as someone, but in a position where he can drop deep and pick up if he wants to create from a bit deeper, he can drop out wide if you've spot some space out there. Because you know, Naismith at the He's a very intelligent player. He, he's able to do that. You can give him a bit of a free role, I think, to to him for him to make a decision when it's best to go forward and support the striker, when it's best to drop deep and help, deep and help the midfield, and when it's best to drop out wide and maybe uh, drag defenders around a little bit. If you're playing Naismith off either one or two strikers, if you play him off two strikers, you've then got an issue with width because there's three players already taken. Central, yeah. So you then do 3-4 or 4-3 as your defenders and midfielders. If you're doing 4-3, it's then down to your fullbacks to get forward. If you're doing 3-4, you want someone that can deliver, but there's question marks over Morrison and his defensive attributes as well. So Naismith in behind. If it's Naismith in behind one striker, then which one is it? That's the other thing as well. We don't know yet, do we? Because we don't. Because Uche is still out and Vanacek is... As, as excited as we all are about him, you know, we don't know. He, and the, and Craig, yeah, Craig Levine did say he does have a, a little bit of work to do. Fitness-wise. Fitness-wise. Yeah, he's yeah, about yeah. three, four weeks um, since he had proper training, whereby the other guys are maybe a week, 10 days. So yeah. we'll get him up to scratch. I think what you'll see against Livingston is Vanacek on the bench. I think you'll see Naismith as the striker. And then it opens things up for others. It's very hard to change the team that have just Correct. won at Easter Road. So if if, ever, if all those players are fit and available, you know, you'd be disappointed if you're one of those players who started against Hibs and then gets dropped in the next Especially game. with these comments about our friend Sean Clare, who said it was, if that was Sean Clare in Craig Levine's mind, best game in a Hearts jersey, he starts the next game. Unless something silly happens in Spain. It's completely contradictory there, yeah. If, if he doesn't do that, and it's like... Correct. Yeah. You, then the obvious question after the match, win, lose or draw, is, wait a minute, what, what's, what's the deal here? Why isn't he playing if you're saying he's just had his best game? So let's let's kind of strip down everything that's been said and, and simplify it by saying, 
I don't think there'll be too many changes, if any, from the team that beat Hibs that starts against Livingston in the Cup. Then we can get into the fanciful notions of one up, two up, three at the back, four at the back, five midfield, whatever. It can just be the bingo game can go on and on and on. We've done that most podcasts this season and and we haven't... We, we kind of came close to a formation once, but I don't think we've nailed the actual one. And, and the thing is, you're not going to say... You're, you're, you're unlikely, unless you're one of the top sides in the world or in their league, to set a formation and that the 11 personnel and say... No matter what game we're playing, home or away, no matter what yeah, size of the pitch, no matter how good the opposition, we'll play that same formation that same way. Because you could very well see Naismith, Vanacek, Uche, Morrison out wide at home to St Mirren. I, I wouldn't have a problem with putting that commitment out there against a team we're expected to, to have the, 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 the bulk of possession. Yeah. We're going to have not too much width because it's Tynecastle and we're going to be expected to run riot, basically. I'd be very surprised if we went to Celtic Park and we saw Uche, Vanacek, Naismith and Morrison in the team because... It's not going to happen. I wouldn't expect it. And to be honest, I I don't think I'd want it because it would probably be on the borderline reckless kind of Mm -hmm. um, uh, area when you do that. But I think think for the Livingston game, if he does make tweaks, I think it'll be because he wants a more physical side to face Livy because they outfought us for long spells. They out out everything does in the end. They did. So... (laughs) Just because it worked against Hibs, you look at the Livingston game, I know it was an anomaly, or I hope it was an anomaly, and it won't happen again, but they'll be flying. They'll be desperate. to. They'll think they can win, quite rightly so. Now, their home and away form is very different. I get that. And I would expect Hearts to win this game, because I think we're a, a better squad and we've got a better team. But we can't be complacent, because anyone that's just beaten you 5-0 will come in absolutely flying when the next time the sides meet. And they also emerged from Tynecastle early in the season against an inform heart side with a clean sheet. And, and a Smith missed penalty, wasn't it? Indeed. So we can speak about the Livingston game um, a bit more depth next week as we look ahead. But of course, the winter break does continue. So um, still no hearts games for the time being. I think that just about brings us to the end. Um, we've, we've spoken quite a bit considering there's not been a hearts game to talk about yeah and uh, yeah it's, it's been enjoyable to have you sitting a yard away from me <laughs> rather than many thousands of miles uh, do you have much planned for the weekend are you going to try and take in any more football no I fly back Saturday I've got Juventus Milan oh, okay. Super Cup next Wednesday so just catch up on some sleep because it's been it's been crazy I want to leave you with with something to do with the January transfer window now if you remember back in 2006, Hearts signed 11 players. Now, this, is, this isn't this uh, is get in touch with us. This is just for, for you guys out there listening. Of those 11, how many could you name without using the internet? Are you asking me? I'm going to start with you. <laughs> um, Bruno Aguiar, Mirsad Bezlija, Jose Gun. Was it Goncalves, that one? Goncalves. Goncalves, Goncalves. Um, uh, what's his name? Barassa, I think, was possibly one of them. Oh, uh, Stracini. Ludek Stracini, good show. That's five. Petras. Six. Uh, I'm going to say Chris Hackett, but you, Seven. You, you talked about him earlier, so I don't know if I would have got him off the top of my head. Um, uh, Michaela Makala. 
Eight. He was one of them. This is going to be great for those listening at home trying to do this. No. I'm not going to tell you the other three on here. Okay. Okay. And let's see if... Just for a bit of fun. There's one I thought, my God, I forgot about him totally. Um, There's another one in for heart. There's one Lithuanian that I've forgotten about. Um, well, there's three that you, that you didn't get. I thought I thought you were very good. No, you got the you got the Lithuanian Barasa. Oh, I did. No, I did. The bulldog, um, <laughs> biggest shoulders ever to play for Hearts. Yeah, what was it? Craig Fowler wrote in an article about this, often described as a plumber by some <laughs> Hearts fans. Yeah, and he also said about Beshlija, nicknamed the Bosnian Bullet, presumably with the same sincerity you'd call the fat guy in your five-a-side team Usain Bolt. <laughs> Fair. No, so, so 8 out of 11, that's pretty good. Um, it kind of really ruins the whole quiz question for everyone else now, but hey-ho, but there's three you didn't get, and let's see if anybody else uh, can get those three. Don't need to get in touch with us, just if uh, if there are three you can you can remember. But that was a crazy press conference. The longest, they must have put about six or seven tables together back then, and they had little Still good for everyone. <laughs> name cards, and then you split, and then they had... They had Six or seven tables together, so Graham Ricks introduced them. And then I remember they had 11 circular tables with the players' name tags on them, which they then moved from the main table so that the journals could get their individual chat. Because there was seven on one night, wasn't there, on deadline? Because it was 11 in total for that window, I think. But was it not seven in one go? Seven in, like, the <sighs> final... Some Something like that. It was, it, it was crazy. It doesn't beat the 15, I think, in one window by Livy. But it was it was still something else. Um, of the of the famous photo with Graham Ricks. Oh yeah, yeah. Bruno Aguiar, you got him. Yeah. Mirsad Beslia, Beslija, Chris Hackett, Josie Gonzalez, and Yuho Michaela. So you got the five that were in the photo. Okay. But there was three you didn't get. So I'm sure once we're off air, I can tell you, and you'll be like, but see if anybody else knows the three, including one who I'm surprised you didn't get. So yeah, give us a tweet at Around the Funnel, mainly to, to look ahead to the, the rest of the season. What, what are your targets for Hearts? What, what could Hearts achieve? What should they be achieving? What's the, the minimum requirement uh, come May in terms of league finish and how they do in the Scottish Cup? Uh, so thanks for joining me, Mark, and a safe flight home. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll do this again from a distance <laughs> again next time. Uh, but thank you everyone for joining, and uh, yeah, we'll speak next time.